It's Film Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for some flicks and scripts with Jay Starks. This week, the help gets fed up after 15, 20 years of being bullied when she was a child and now decides to pull the Kathy Bates and weirdly sexually assaults some minors and also buys them liquor. And I'm so confused about this movie. Let's get into it. Hey, all you film nerds, cinephiles, and movie aficionados, and welcome, welcome, welcome back to Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks. I am the host, Jay Starks. Thank you so much for tuning in this Film Friday. This is the last episode for our Horror Ween for 2023. Um, I will let you know ahead of time that I I was intending on watching They Live Inside. Apparently, that's not playing in the movie theaters anymore, so... That threw my plans off. And then my special co-host, guest host that was supposed to be here with me, got a little under the weather. So I'm rocking it today, solo dolo style. And this week, I played a little uh, Netflix roulette, so to speak, and landed on Ma. Let's let's get into it. What do you say? So, as usual, we're going to do our film pre-production breakdown for this particular film, Ma was produced in 2019 it's 99 minutes rated r r and according to imdb pro it is a horror mystery thriller let's go ahead get into that log line per use so according to imdb you already know i have to clear my throat real quick a lonely woman befriends a group of teenagers and decides to let them party at her house Just when the kids think their luck couldn't get any better, things start happening that makes them question the intention of their host. Okay, that's, um, I mean, pretty generic, I guess, but hey, whatever. Um, let's go ahead and get down to our, some of our top build cast and crew. Per usual, we're going to start with some of our crew here. So starting off with our director, we have Tate Taylor, Tate Taylor. So Tate Taylor is uh he was the director and producer of get on up yes that one the one you know james brown um so he was the director for that one he was also the director executive producer and writer for the help as you of course for this for ma and the girl on the trainer some of the four top kind of build that he's done so that's pretty interesting that's pretty cool pretty cool pretty cool so I have not seen, honestly, I haven't seen either of those four yet. Uh, the Girl on a Train is on my my list of films to watch. I haven't seen The Help yet. I feel as though a lot of times I have to be in a a a a, a particular mood more so. Uh, being uh, maybe because I'm African American, that some of those films with that, you know that kind of feeling vibe of like the help and stuff of that. And, you know, 12 years a slave, I have to be in a particular mindset in order to watch those kind of films. So I heard and know that she did an amazing job because she got an Academy Award for it. So that's pretty exciting. And the same thing for get on up, get on up is one of those biographical films. And I'm not the biggest fan of those to be completely honest. Um, And I think part of it for 
part of my reasoning for not watching too many of those is how many liberties have been taken to tell a story. You know, I would rather I feel as though I would rather just read a biographical novel by that particular person. But anyway, so Tate Taylor, director for this one, it looks like the writer was Scotty Landis, uh, Scotty Landis. Hopefully I didn't mess up the last name. I love this guy's um, headshot on IMDb. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, he was a writer for The Machine in 2023, and that stars Bert Kreischer, the 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 stand up comedian. So have not seen that one. Um, not sure if it'll be on my list, but hey. You never know. He was also a producer and writer for something, a movie called Dead Con in 2019, Green Beret's Guide to Surviving the Apocalypse, in which he was a co-executive producer for two episodes, and he wrote one of those episodes. So, I haven't seen, this is another gentleman, not super duper familiar with um, any of his particular projects. What is interesting, like looking on his IMDb, uh, is that he he's written some comedies so this is like a horror film you know and i guess maybe the surviving the apocalypse might have some horror horror tendencies as well too but yeah, oh he was a writer on workaholics which is a sitcom that was on mtv for three or four years i believe so okay this film was produced by blumhouse so jason blum is the producer for this which i think makes this the second blumhouse film of horrorween not purposeful just fyi john norris and tate taylor also was a producer for this as well because as i mentioned before he produces and directs let's see our composer was gregory trippy was the score producer for drive 2011 yes that one and that film was fantastic so good on him the one with ryan gosling playing the role of driver yeah, he also was a composer for Our Father in 2022, which is a crime documentary. The Nick, uh, which Nick, K-N-I-C-K, is a TV series. So I'm not super familiar. This is going to be one of those films where I'm not super familiar with a lot of the people work on here, except for the main, the lead actress. So, you know. Let's hope this is going to be a good one, right? So we have for our DP, our cinematographer, we have Christina Alexandra Voros. I like that last name. Christina Alexandra Voros. Uh, so let's see. Cinematographer for the ladies, 127 hours. She was the set photographer. So not doing any DP um, necessarily. Um, 1883. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Okay. So she was co-executive co producer and director for that one. That's pretty cool. I could get behind that. Um, cause yeah, that was actually a pretty decent, um, what is it called? Series. So that's, that's pretty cool. Let's see what else. I don't know a lot of other things that she's done, man. This is very interesting. This is one of the first ones where i believe a lot there's just a lot of people that i'm not familiar with the work but i'm excited to look and see what they're going to provide entertainment wise the film looks like it was edited by lucy donaldson and jen lee so not familiar with either of these either a haunting in venice um 
which came out in 2023. Uh, that literally just came out a couple of months ago. Right now we're in October 2023. So it came out earlier. He was the editor on that one. Sorry, excuse me. She, Lucy Donaldson, was the editor on that one. She was the editor for the Midnight Club for two episodes. Midnight Club being um, part of the Mike Flattery uh, Netflix. You know, he does every Halloween. He has a new uh, series that comes out. Mike Flanagan, excuse me. So she did two episodes of that. So that's pretty cool. Breaking news in Yuba County. Haven't heard of that one either. So once again, a very new person that I have not had the experience. Um, our casting director is Carrie Barden and Paul Schnee. So Carrie Barden worked on the help as well. So clearly we got a cast director, director um, combination here, in addition to lead actress being Octavia Spencer. So that's where they're all kind of connected with one another. So yeah. And Paul Schnee, who was also casting director on here, was also cast director for the girl on the train. So we still, you know, the nine degrees of separation, that's still a very real thing, right? Next up for our production design, we have Mark. Oh, I might miss this name up, so I apologize. Mark Fisicella. Mark Fisicella. F-I-C-I. Oh, nope. <laughs> Mark Fisicella. Mark with a C. Last name F-I-S-I-C-H-E-L-L-A. Alrighty, so production design. Let's see. Supervising art director for Anna and the King. Okay, wherever that one. Oh, he was the production designer for Maze Runner. Uh, that was an okay movie. Whoa, y'all. The assistant art director for Stargate. Yes, that Stargate from 1994. That's crazy and awesome. Wow, yeah, this person has been in the game a while. So that's going to round out our crew here. Now, let's get into our top build actors. All right, as I already mentioned before, Miss Octavia Spencer is the lead on this particular project. Um, and she, of course, as I already mentioned, uh, Hidden Figures. She was on The Help, in which uh, she won awards, Fruitvale Station. Octavia Spencer is an amazing actress period like i i have yet to see anything that she's done that i've not liked across the board i think she's a fantastic actress so that's pretty cool we also have here's another name that that i'm familiar with miss juliette lewis who is still kicking ass and taking names which is pretty dope because she's been doing it man she's been in the game for a long time anybody who don't know who Juliet lewis is she was in breaking news and yuba county so there's another connection there i still haven't seen that one jim and the holograms oh jim oh man jim and the holograms people that was one of blumhouse's like when when Blumhouse kind of strayed a little bit away from horror films. That was one of the films I was working at movie theater at that time. And that's where that movie had to have been in the theaters for maybe a fucking week. And it was gone. And it, I was watching, I watched part of it and it was absolutely horrendous. In fact, I'm pretty sure I recall a, an interview by Jason Blum essentially saying that, yeah, that, that was kind of a misstep. Whoops. <laughs> Don't quote me on that, but essentially Anyway, Juliet Lewis, she was in August Osage County. I mean, due date, 
Conviction, Whip It, Old School. I mean, she can do it all. She's done comedy, horror, drama from dusk to dawn. I mean, it's just it's crazy how how good she is and how long she's been doing it. Natural Born Killers. I mean, come on, the list goes on and on. One of our newcomers, or at least new to me, should I say, is Miss Diana Silvers. She's playing one of the teenagers that's uh, the lead. She would be the teenage lead, so to speak, in this film. She's playing the daughter, it looks like, of Juliet Lewis. So she was in, um, if you watch Space Force, she was she plays Aaron Naird for 17 episodes. She, so she was in that one a lot. Oh, she was a cheerleading girl in Glass, so that means probably kind of quick she might have had a couple of lines so yeah she's fairly new i'm not oh she was in birds of paradise i haven't seen that one but she played kate sanders in that one so yeah okay she oh yeah she is pretty new good for you though ma'am she doesn't i'm looking at her imdb and she doesn't have many credits but man she's like kicking ass pretty quickly or at least nothing listen to imdb pro anyway so that's our top three ladies um here we have McKaylee Miller, who played in Heart of Dixie. She's playing Haley. And yeah, we we kind of spread out the wealth a little bit amongst some other people. I did see Luke Evans. He's not the top, but I, I freaking love Luke Evans. And he apparently, I kid you not right now, guys, he's playing a character named Ben. Yes. So now in case people were like, wait, what is that? Ben was the character from from the last movie and his name was just Ben. So what are the chances of that? Okay, Missy Pyle is in here. Um so what's interesting, they have a lot of people like especially older um actors or actresses in here with a bit of a name like Missy Pyle, she was in Dodgeball, a true underdog store. If you remember Dodgeball, um she she was the character on the the Cobra with the unibrow with the unibrow so that was her and allison janey's in here she was in the help with miss octavia spencer she was also in juno hairspray the hours so they got they have some heavyweights when it comes to the adults uh the adult cast members and then a lot of newer people here so that's pretty cool that's a i feel as though for me that that's the that's where I, I would want to be as an actor. Like if I was fairly new or up and coming, like to be in the movie with the expert veteran people and you could just pick up and learn from them. And I think that's really cool. Anyway, I'm not going to keep talking about that. What I'm going to do now is go ahead per usual. Um, stick around. We're going to go into our intermission, which we're going to announce our upcoming film. And then after that, we'll get into our post-production breakdown here with Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the first portion of our breakdown for Ma. I don't know why. It's just weird. It's just M-A. It is a bizarre, bizarre uh, title. So anyway, that's <laughs> the first portion of my um, per usual. I, 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 of course, want to thank you guys if you have listened to any or all, especially all of any of the uh, podcast episodes that I've done thus far. I'm enjoying myself. Hopefully they're getting better. Let me know. Drop a line if uh, if you don't think so. 
<laughs> share with your family, friends, and you know, if you have any film recommendations, go ahead and shoot those bad boys over to me on my email. So yeah, next week is going to be Reptile, guys. That one's going to be fun. If you don't know, Grant Singer um, was a writer director for that one. It's starring Benicio del Toro. Uh, who else? Uh, Justin Timberlake. Like they, 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 they're pretty stacked over there. So that's going to be pretty cool. Alicia Silverstone. Like where has she been? I don't know. But okay, let's go. So yeah, next week that's what we're going to be watching. Thank you guys for uh, sticking around. And oh, cool. Um, yeah. So I was on IMDb just looking. Catherine Dyer is in this film as well. I got it. So Catherine Dyer. Just a little aside. Um, I I also do like actor training at Drama Inc. in Atlanta. And Catherine Dyer is one of the founding members of that particular acting school. So that's pretty cool. Anywho, yeah, everything is, you know, every nine degrees of separation, full circle, whatever the term is. Thank you guys for listening. Um, stay tuned for next week. I would greatly appreciate if you tune in. And now here's the post-production breakdown for my Alrighty, welcome back to the post-production breakdown for Ma. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, we're gonna get into this. I apologize, people. Um, it's just this is such a bizarre um, movie, and maybe I should have known with the title. Um. Ma, as an MA, I'm um, starring Octavia Spencer. Man, um, ooh. Huh, okay. Let's, I don't even know, okay. <laughs> Let's get into it, guys. All right, so, as usual, we're going to start off with some of the more technical feats of the the project. So, we're going to break down some production design, some sound design, you know, things of that nature. And then the back half, the latter half, we'll go into more of the subjective viewpoint of said film. Ma. 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 Uh, this, I'm just. <laughs> I'm sorry. OK. Um, so. All right, guys. Oh, man. All right. Where do I begin? Let's start off with. um production design per usual you know I, I do my 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 art department stuff so talk about production design here i i want to say that the production design was i think it served its the purpose it did its job okay and i don't mean that as a slight i mean that in the case of with with the film like this there's not but so much you can do because even though this is a a horror film it's not one of those dark moody horror films almost i feel as though it's more so akin to a a psychological horror film right like very much yeah, where it's, hmm. Yeah, it's not scary. 
it's, it's, it's just the thought. So I can see why they said a little bit of a thriller. And they said mystery. I don't really get that. Whatever. Um, I will say, though, I will say. From, so from production design, I didn't. There was nothing um, visually from set design that blew me away or was fantastic in the storytelling element. But also, I don't think it's one of these films where it needs to really really like jump out at you i will say that i did like the costume design right i think they did a fantastic job doing costume design um they had some moments in there where there we would flash back into you know the octavia spencer's and and luke's and juliet's high school um, time and the outfits and everything else were very reminiscent of that and I really liked it it didn't seem forced and the hairstyling in that costume design was by Megan Coates who also did like Dawn of the Apes so that was pretty cool um so yeah the set design itself was nothing to write home about but uh, like I said not a slight in at all I did like the the costumes, I would say out of all the production design, the, the costumes were probably some of my favorite elements of this particular film. I feel as though all of the outfits that the kids, quote unquote, were wearing was very, it felt truthful, you know, um, in both the flashbacks and the present day stuff. I didn't feel as though anybody was trying too hard so to speak you know so that's that's you know i can get behind that um yeah that's a you know yeah uh i think as far as a color palette goes i do feel as though they were um kind of honing in on the the red green but off uh not direct red and green if that makes sense so our greens, they were living in the world of mints, um, like the mint green kind of sort of feel and blue greens and a couple emerald emerald greens to pop up here and there. And as far as our reds, we had some burgundies, some nothing. None of the red was too bright, but it was just enough to pop to to pop off the screen and kind of work with that green that we were getting in various places. Right. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I was. I will say I did. I did. With that being said, um, when the kids finally got into the out of the basement, out of the party basement and into the regular house. I did Sue Ann. That's uh, Octavia Spencer's character. Sue Ann's uh, house was freaking fire like i was like okay i get behind like even the walls had some green tint to it and if they didn't um there was also by the way i don't know it's production on, but there's a big ass mosquito in the bathroom scene by the way if you if you didn't watch it then go watch it it's between the two girls if not <laughs> if, you, if you if you haven't seen it wait until the two girls get into the bathroom and look at this big ass fly mosquito i don't know what it was it was huge i don't know if that was a hornet a wasp a whole bird it was big and it was distracting but back to the back to what i was saying um even up in in the regular house that the walls were had those that green tint varying green tint and they had one that was like uh 
I don't even know. Like a whew. What I'm not good with colors. Is like a burgundy, like a light, like a pale burgundy, purplish kind of deal on one of the walls. And I thought it looked pretty beautiful. I was like, wow. I mean, I don't know if I would want my walls to be that color, but they look nice though. So that's all I'm saying. Um, so that's pretty much it for production design. This is a pretty quick one today. Like I said, nothing really stood out to me other than usage of those colors, you know. Now, let's move on to our camera work here. Now, I will say the camera work, I did enjoy the camera work. Nothing too over the top um, at all. I they, they utilized mirrors that were placed around on the set design to add some depth and a little bit of contrast or a different point of view so you can look in the mirror at something. So I, I am a fan of mirror takes of, you know, just looking in the mirror and reflections. I do. I tend to like those in most movies. So did that. The cinematography I thought was nice. I think it was pretty distinct as far as, um, the lighting that was used for the high school versus the party basement versus the regular house where it had the darker overtones. So that was pretty good, I guess. Um, I don't know what school they went to, but damn, that school had hella light. Like, I'm pretty sure they had a big ass skylight and there's just like huge windows. And I'm just trying to think about like when I was in high school, did we, did we have all this light just everywhere and i don't think so but they did a great job lighting it um <laughs> in this particular film so um so yeah lighting was nice i everything was lit naturally and like i said it didn't have even though it is a horror film it didn't have the a lot of the shadows and darkness that you would see in a lot of horror films which i always find um refreshing that was one of my my favorite things about like Midsommar, uh, that it was a, a, a horror film in broad daylight. And I thought that was such a cool, unique look and feel, because most of the time they just try to rely on a bunch of dark shadows and for some shit to pop out and scare you. And instead, since this one didn't have your your typical jump scare, instead, it just had surprising moments. And I think that's where the lighting worked at those times where everything is kind of brightly lit. So to have that juxtaposition of the darkness of Sue Ann with it being fairly bright in pretty much most of the scenes, you know, um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, like I said, the camera work was nice They had very. You know, your typical, they had some close-ups, some two shots, some three shots. Very, it, it was very well crafted. And um, I don't think I have any issues with any of the camera. Unlike, you know, the like I know for uh, something wrong with the children, there was a couple camera movies that were drawing attention to it being a camera move. I will say the the thing I did notice a couple of times if they, they pulled out the old brian de palma i don't know he was officially the first one i just know from my movie going experience that brian de palma with the split diopter was one of the first you know like filmmakers i that i know that was like what is that how is this happening you know um so they did uh the split diopter scene 
and I want to say two, sorry, the split diopter shot in two or three of those. Um, yeah, like two or three scenes, I believe something along those lines. So anyway, people don't know who Brian De Palma is. He was a direct. He's a director. Um, he did carry. Um, yes, that carrier. They're all going to laugh at you by Stephen King. Um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the movie that he had with the split. Oh man. I cannot think of the first one that he did. Anyway, the one that I, that, that, that was definitely for me was he did mission impossible and he definitely used the, the split diopter on that. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm getting it across. So yeah, I love a split diopter all like when it's done well, I love it. And I feel as though there was, I, I feel as though they utilized the split diopter. Really, oh, sorry. And aside, so the split diopter, for those who don't know, it'll, it's a half lens. Think about that, right? So it's a half lens that allows you the camera to see both close up and in the distance. So almost if you're wearing a pair of glasses, and one year lens was in a perfect um, half. You know what I mean? If, if that makes sense, <laughs> like a half a lens or like with your eyes, your eyeballs, you got both your eyes you're seeing through and you have your glasses and then one of the lenses popped up. So now you can see stuff in the in the the foreground, but also the background at the same time. So anytime you can see foreground and background elements, both in focus at the same time is a split diopter. OK. Um, so yeah, they utilized that a couple of times and every time they used it in here, I really liked it because it was, it had this lurking kind of feeling to insinuate a, a, a bit of dread almost, you know, a bit of, um, off kilter, which I liked. So I don't, man, which ordinarily a lot of times, films and and dps and what have you will use a dutch angle right and i don't recall any dutch angles in this film off the top of my head but that's not that's not a bad thing because i feel as though instead of going dutch they use a split diopter to you know um capitalize and capture that same feeling and i feel as though the split diopter worked better than Dutch because sometimes the Dutch can be overly done overly. And generally speaking, I don't really know when the right moment is to use a, a Dutch, but I, I do have a feeling often if I'm watching something I'm like, Oh, there's a Dutch. Ah, uh, that's a weird time or it's too long or is what have you. But yeah, so they chose, they went to split adapter um, route instead of Dutch angles, which was fucking cool. I appreciate that. And I was like, oh, Brian De Palma shot. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So I can say nothing wrong with the um, camera work lighting. I will say one thing. Sorry, I, I didn't need to go back to the art um, art department. The Tracy's birthday party. Tracy's one of the characters in her birthday party. The way they jazzed up the basement. I think that was maybe the cool thing about this particular film. If I was to, you know, speak on something that I didn't work on. What was cool about the basement is the basement transformed, right? Like the first time is it just looks like a basement. And then she, Sue Ann, clearly trying to impress these high schoolers 
has has done decoration, re redecorating it and making it look cool. So it's almost three or four different looks for the basement. There's a candle look towards the end of the film. So I thought that was really cool. And it's also maybe perhaps that was a storytelling method as well. Like, you know, initially it was kind of drab and then Sue Ann trying to relive her high school days or whatever and party. So she kind of designed it how maybe she would have back then and then towards the end with the candles and everything is a much darker tone as her character gets darker i don't know so that was pretty cool anyway so sorry that was a little quick little thing that i forgot to say about the art the art department stuff um what else we got here sound you know the sound design was it was it was good like it was also one of these films that didn't draw too much attention to it, but I think that worked in its place. And one of the things they utilized was a lot of, um, oh man, it starts with the D. What's that music? Um, the music that the characters can hear as well. Diagenic music. So whenever you talk in film, if you have diagenic music, so if you're watching a film, for those who don't know, you watch a film, you hear music as the the viewer. Most often we're not the people, the characters don't hear the music that we're hearing. But if you're ever watching a film and the character is actually listening to the music that we're also hearing, that's called diagenic music um, because it's happening in their world and for us to, you know, uh, digest in our world as well. So yeah, anyway, they used a lot of diagenic music with some of the party stuff and party scenes, which I thought was cool. So it gave you like this little dance thing, which I also think was utilized pretty decently because most of the music was kind of party for a lack of better term. Like, you know, the first adjective I could think of like a kind of party themes considering the darker tones that were happening um, underneath everything else so anywho yeah that's all i gotta say about that now here comes the the fantastic part um i am going to take a sip of my beverage and when i come back we'll do the subjective viewpoint for our post-production breakdown Alrighty, so yeah, here it comes now. Now, for anybody listening, I'm 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 gonna try to keep this one shorter since the last two. Well, this month has been a little bit long in general, and the last one I had two episodes from it. Um, oh, let's talk Ma. Um, Ma is a very peculiar film i i will say this is a film that i was happy that i did not spend my money watching in the theaters um it was a weird one and i mean that because i don't really know what the film i don't understand what the film was trying to to tell us to tell me you know uh uh, I feel as though the actors 
did a solid job. There was nobody. Yeah, I feel as though the actors did a solid job. I don't feel as though anybody. I didn't hate anyone's performance. Like Juliette Lewis is always natural to me. And even um, Octavia Spencer um, did a solid job. Is it Octavia Spencer's best work? I don't think so. But is, I don't think that's a reflection on her as a performer. I think it's more so with the material and what the material was trying to say. There was a couple moments in there that I just didn't like. Like there was an old lady in the um, nail salon. Uh, I mean, go get your bag, lady. But like, why was she like her dialogue did not move the the plot whatsoever. Uh, so there's moments like that that were weird um, from an acting standpoint. Her character was weird. The Daryl character, Daryl Durrell, whatever, I can't remember. Um, the one black guy that was in there. Um, I don't know why his character, I feel as though his character was just kind of there to round out. I don't know if it's to round it out or like a diversity hire or something, but I, I don't feel, and I'm not hating on him whatsoever. I'm, I'm just me. I'm talking character standpoint i don't understand why he was there i will say though i was pleasantly surprised that um he wasn't a jock and he wasn't like ghetto or whatever so there's that you know what i mean so there's the plus but then also like i f i feel as though this film could have been done without his character which once again not a slight against him i think more so has to do with the film itself and the writing or whatever i don't know so, yeah, I'm, I wasn't a big fan of his character. The Chaz character was kind of filling in for the jock. Um, I think what was what was interesting in a good way was these five uh, kids, they didn't necessarily fit into uh, the atypical or the stereotypical, should I say, um, high school roles that you tip roles excuse me, high school roles that you typically see in film, you know, where you got the jock and then you got the bitch and then you got the, the, the nerd and then you got blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So I do feel as though the characters were pretty well-rounded and none of them were, you know, a caricature, which was pretty cool, especially in a horror film. You don't really get that a lot in a horror film. That's typically where they just, fucking drive it drive it home like oh this is a jock oh yeah yeah bro you know broski so um i did like that from the teenager standpoint i didn't hate or want to punch any of them in the face <laughs> so that's fantastic and cool um yeah and some of the adults were interesting you know what you know one of the characters that i do i do not quite quite understand and because like i get you were trying to set up sue ann and like you know what she does um for a job but her boss i just didn't understand um allison janey i didn't understand dr brooks is like I, okay if she's so you want to set up the sue ann works as a vet tech or what have you um 
at a veterinary hospital or something along those lines. Hence where she's able to get these drugs. I get that. But then they kept going back to it. And I feel as though they kind of established the vet tech thing fairly early. And then there was, oh, there was no need to do this again and again. And also Alison Jane, who's a great actress. They didn't really give her anything for this. One. It was just more so, hey, stop staring at space. You going to do some work? You going to do some work? And she just did that in every scene. And I was kind of over that after the second or third time that um that they said it so i guess so whatever <laughs> um octavia spent oh luke luke evans oh man luke fucking evans man i really enjoy luke evans and pretty much everything he does this is one of the first things off the top of my head i'm pretty sure this is not true but he was kind of a bad guy it was a little misleading um of the guy he was like they showed they were showing flashbacks to these kids when they were in high school and the guy was kind of a a dickhole but i didn't put two and two together that this bin was the same um character that luke evans was playing and he wound up being kind of a dick kind of sort of a dick and like oh yeah 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 he ended up dying at the end like yeah okay you were an asshole, so you got your comeuppance. Like he, yeah, that was he was pretty foul, not only as a high schooler but also as a grown ass man. <laughs> he was like, "I need you to get your shit together, man. What is your problem?" He was kind of a dick to everybody. No pun intended. For those who've seen the show, do you understand why I said that? Like it was basically Ben. Only thing he was he was just whipping it out <laughs> every time. So, um, so yeah, Luke. I, I like hit. I love that that man. His character in here was kind of sort of the same thing. The adult version, I get. I guess, like I say, he got his comeuppance, but was it was it necessary? I don't. You know, it's um yeah. There's also the genie character, who was Sue Ann's daughter apparently, and they showed her the first ten minutes, and then they didn't show her again until almost the um climax of the second act oh um, yeah and it's like oh who are you oh she my mom I'm like all right why is this but why why does she have to be related be okay the genie character i don't get that one either there was a lot of tertiary inside characters that were in here that I just didn't understand why they were important that a mercedes character that um they all went to high school so mercedes sue ann ben and um and juliet lewis's character oh man why am i drawing a blank for her who she played uh erica they all, were all high schoolers and all went to high school together cool i get it small town i get it i get it but like mercedes character missy Pyle was um like at one point in time she was giving fellatio to mr luke evans character and then the next time we saw her she was at like a casino and was just being kind of like a drunken asshole and then the next time you see her sue ann ran her ran her ass down with this truck 
Uh, so once again, another talented actor that I don't, I, I just feel as though they got all these great actors, right? To play the adults. And as adults, they were, well, as children or teenagers, they were all jackasses and assholes, right? And I don't know if how we're supposed to feel about these people other than Ben. Ben, I mean, the kids clearly um, bullied Sue Ann in high school and treated her bad. Like, just a quick, like, she had a crush on Ben. And then um, I think they kind of knew about it. So, you know, typical movie fashion of kids being bullies or whatever. Um, he kind of been kind of led her on. And then he told her to come to like a closet at high school. And she went down on him. And then when she came out, all the kids were there in the whole school. And everybody like, yuck, 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 yuck. And then so they embarrassed her. Um because she did that because she really liked him ran out to school and then that's kind of it um so clearly we're not supposed to like these teenagers right who have now become adults and other than the mercedes character mercedes character is still a she's still a bitch so <laughs> she didn't grow up right and ben's character is is still an asshole but i feel as though his asshole ways as an adult are warranted. Like his kids out smoking and drinking, you know, that's a little weird. Um, not weird, but you get what I mean. And then he found out that that his kid, Andy was hanging out at Sue Ann's my house. So that's a little weird as well. So I totally get his reasoning. Uh, Ben's reasoning as an adult, I just don't know how I'm supposed to really feel about the character. And, and, and Sue Ann had a horrible high school experience. So bullied, she was bullied. Right. And, um, was, I guess, manipulated sexually immensely to do the sexual act on this guy. So I'm pretty sure that's a whole nother thing as well. So I definitely get that. And I get that that's wrong. But then I feel as though I feel as though the bullying wasn't hmm it didn't it didn't it didn't it didn't it didn't pan out it didn't feel like it was worked out as eloquently. You know, like, okay, so this is, is, is this a, a commentary on bullying and how bad it is, et cetera, et cetera. But then, but then like Sue Ann's character as an adult is forcing, is number one, buying liquor for adolescents. She had one stripped down to his naked. So that's gotta be some kind of pity of pity you know, pedophiliac behavior. Um, she's like poisoning her daughter, Jeannie. To what extent? We don't really know. So it's like, am I supposed to feel bad for her? Because her character's kind of an ass. 
Um, so that's the that that's where I'm at as far as characters. I don't really get what they wanted me to feel about Sue. Younger Sue felt horrible for it. Adult Sue, she's fucking shit up left and right. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Um, yeah, I'm taking I got to do another drink because this film, this film stressed me out. So, yeah. Um, man, Octavia Spencer's performance is great, but I don't what, what's weird to me is what I'm trying to figure out. So we had Erica who Sue Ann and all everybody went to high school with. And apparently Erica didn't really stand up for Sue Ann. So. Sue Ann is harboring that towards Erica, also harboring towards Luke, etc. And to me, what I'm trying to figure out is they've been in this town. So if, if you saw the movie, then she's pretty much trying to exact her revenge on everybody. Right. Um. Like she literally ran Mercedes over with her truck and kept on trucking. <laughs> no pun intended. But to me, the question is, why did she wait so long? That's what I don't get. So was Erica, Juliette Lewis's character coming back? Did she spark up the 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 old feelings? You know, and and um made her decide to go on this revenge path why was she not seeking revenge all of this time being in the same city uh and that's the that's the weird part for me you know and she even went as far now i get it because initially when the kids were like hey can you buy me some stuff she's like oh i don't know about that that's probably not the best idea and then she saw hawkins on the the van which clicked for her oh shit hawkins ben hawkins um and then she agreed to to buy them alcohol but i don't i feel as though and maybe it's because it's just a small town but i don't and maybe i could be wrong but like he clearly has this 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 company have you not seen this this van before and and this kid is in high school have you never like what and then also My curiosity is the the buying of the alcohol and having the kids come over to party with you. Is this um was that part of the revenge plot? Like to get back at the adults? Because if so, the kids never did anything to her, you know? But then it's also or was she actually trying to hang out with them? Which is the 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 weird part, because then why why is a full grown adult in her, I don't know, 40s or mid 40s or whatever, hanging out with high school kids? Is she trying to relive her high school? So she get is, is it revenge? Is she reliving her moments? Did she not grow out of that? Was she emotionally stunted from the time she was a high schooler? And I feel as though that is the the. That's the part that I'm confused on. Like 
her motivation is to get at these kids because the kids didn't do anything wrong. She she came on pretty damn strong, though. So, yeah. So is she is she is she looking for a friend because she didn't have any real friends? But if that's the case, why would you once again, was she emotionally stunted? And then that's why she was seeking out friendship from a bunch of um, 17, 18 year olds, you know. Ah, so weird. And then also the thing with your kid. So my assumption is that whatever medicine she was given Jeannie was making her sick, right? And it reminded me of a movie and I can't think of the movie. Um, I watched it early this year, but the mom was essentially poisoning. The The girl couldn't walk. She was in a wheelchair and it's because the mom was giving her freaking um, dog something that could cause paralysis in humans or some shit like that. I don't know. Um, so yeah, anyway, sorry. so she was doing that to, to keep her sick. So she didn't go out and get friends question mark. But then, but then the first 10 minutes, Jeannie was at school. So had you been sending her to school this whole time? Or do you just send her every now and then? And then if so, what made you take her out of school? That's a weird thing. And then and and then why did you build this crazy banister to, to just like encircle and envelop your entire like upstairs second area with like a latch and everything to stop the kid? But um, it still didn't stop her because she was still able to actually unlock it from where she was so didn't really stop anybody she was a grown kid now it probably stopped when she was younger but now she's the adult that's formulating her adult mind that's when she'll be sneaking out but she can still get to latch i don't understand i don't understand the motivation behind i I mean i get it it's supposed to be oh she's protecting her from maybe the abuse or having to go through the same thing she went through or you know kids are horrible which they are little snot-nosed little brats um and assholes and everything else. I get that. I get that. I get that. But why was she doing so? I don't get that motivation. I just don't. I don't. Yeah. Let's talk about triggers. Okay. So we've um we've already kind of delved a little bit into what may have triggered Sue Ann or May Ma 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 to do whatever she did and I don't understand it honestly I don't understand it um I don't understand what the trigger was because I mean, she was on social media, so that's how she could find out who the kids' parents were. But what is the tr- what what was the the catalyst to send her down this path? To me, is unknown. Like I I I truly don't understand what it was that that made her go ballistic, so to speak. Um, man. I know I keep sighing, but it's just so it's such a bizarre film. 
it's so bizarre because is she supposed to be evil? Is this supposed to be a, a open letter to what can happen to somebody who is bullied like mentally? Because, I mean, she started snapping on everybody like she killed the doctor, Dr. Brooks. She killed her seemingly for no reason. And and I mean, she was yelling at her because um she was doing a work bombing. She was just like any other manager or boss. You're not doing work. You're going to you're going to get towed off. But then she like murdered the shit out of her. She murdered the police officer. She murdered Mercedes. She murdered Ben. And speaking of Ben, God dang Ben. Like what the why? 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 would so she had him hooked up to the IV, right? And he um so she she had him hooked up to the IV. She undressed him. So once again, a little sexual assaultiness going on here. I'm just saying, you know, whatever. Um she had him hooked up to the IV and then she cuts his wrist. Um so Sorry, I, I guess I should, I'll do a disclaimer. I should have I should have did a disclaimer, or I will put one in the front of this. So if you listen to this, then you might have already heard it. So um, well, it's not he didn't commit suicide anyway. So then she she yeah she bleeds him via his wrist, and then she sticks him with some kind of shot in the same arm. What is the point of that? What is the point? I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, like, was was it a blood thinner to make him bleed out faster? But that doesn't seem like something cool that you would want to do. You're trying to exact revenge. You know, I feel as though if you really um want to, I mean, I, I don't, under, I don't, oh my gosh i don't get it man (laughs) i don't get why her character would do that anyway so she killed back to the kill list so she may have fucked up the dog um yeah she may have fucked up the dog the the god dang it what's um maggie she may have fucked up maggie's dog because she was staying outside the fence she definitely ran over mercedes like twice she shot the sheriff but she did not shoot a deputy (laughs) sorry um and then she cut ben but why i mean not the why for that like she went on a crazy killing spree where she was fucking everybody up and it's just but i like what was she trying why did it take so long to exact his revenge? Huh? I don't I don't I don't get it. So and it looks like she was using diazepam um for a lot of these people. So commonly used to treat a range of conditions, anxiety, seizures. Um used to oh, it may also be used to cause memory loss during certain proce- uh medical procedures. Okay, but what? I but why though include sleepiness so of course that's is like a valium essentially it is valium so um decreased breathing blah 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 yeah so oh but why though I don't understand it's so bizarre to me 
while she's doing this with anyway and then also like at the end of it she took the pitch like she sewed the lips of the girl and like did she see like to me from these interactions with these kids they did they didn't act like their parents from what from what i saw so what was the point of like sewing lips together and what have you i just i just don't understand why also with that being said um this is (laughs) for the month of halloween i've seen two dicks in these horror films which whatever i'm not you know whatever i'm just not not used to seeing that so it's also interesting they're like a second one because in clock they showed one as well that i was not prepared to see so the second time i was i was flabbergasted by it but anyway oh man i don't there's so much about this i okay you know what i'm going to just say that i did not like this film I truly did not like it. Um, and the reason I don't like it, like, once again, I, I feel as though with the camera work and the lighting, it did some interesting, cool things. Or maybe she didn't give him a second shot. Did she put air into his vein and give him like an embolism? But then just let him bleed out. What is, I don't, I still don't get it. It's just so many things don't make sense to me about this movie. Anyway, okay, I'm not going to let this one go for too long because this is going to be the shortest one. And I feel as though I'm just going around in a circle because I'm literally just trying to think about why the whys and the where. And I feel as though it was like, let's make a psychological horror that's like it has misery vibes to it and has to deal with bullying was the motivation of Sue Ann's character but I feel as though the execution of it all was a bit sloppy I think that's the term that I want to use to apply and once again it has nothing to do with the performances from the actors I actually liked pretty much all the performances there was nobody yeah there's nobody that I that I had an issue with because once again, they had a solid cast, especially of all the adults. It's just the freaking uh, motivations and how everything kind of just unraveled, you know, and like she like she claimed that she killed Mercedes for Erica. But it's like, why? I mean, I just OK. Anywho, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I'm sorry. I feel as though uh, this has been the most dour or down, <laughs> the most down film that I that I just I just did not like this film. The, I just don't. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up um, because I just think it's just gonna go around the circle. So I apologize if you guys listen. Like, All right, this guy said the same thing. It's because I'm actually searching right now. I'm searching for the reasonings. Um, for why this thing happened and what I normally do just FYI, unless the film happens to take place in, unless the, the project that I watch was in the movie theaters, then normally while I'm recording this, I have it playing in the background as well 
on mute just so as I'm talking about it, things can pop up and can be refreshers. And I'm telling you, I just do not get a lot of this film. I just don't understand it. And I'm going to put it as that. I feel as though the plot was super fucking like sloppy, super sloppy. Um, the acting was pretty decent, was good for the most part, especially the the older adults. Um, and some of the, the, the plot beats, story beats don't make sense. Like the girl kissing on her friend and the bracelet missing from like Ma was walking around stealing people's jewelry. To what end? To what fucking end? What are you doing with this? Like, I, 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 I don't get it. And then what were you going to do with Jeannie at like your daughter at the end of the film? What were you going to do with her? Because she's kind of an innocent in this situation. So what what are you doing? What is her? Ah, I don't. Oh, my gosh. This fucking film, guys. Anyway, if y'all haven't watched my go watch. it. I will be super interested to hear what other people are saying about this. So drop me a line. I don't know. Maybe this is one of those films that I really should have needed a second person just to help me out with um, understanding what the hell is going on in this film. And, you know, this is I feel as though this is kind of sort of the thing with and I'm not knocking Blumhouse whatsoever because most of the stuff they do is pretty fucking good. Right. But this is one of those films that. I just don't know if it was worth it. Why? What was the purpose of this? What was the director trying to say? What was. Is this a commentary on bullying? Is it a com? Like what? What is it? I don't know. I feel like I'm missing it. I'm missing something or a huge chunk of it or I'm a fucking idiot. It's one of those or it's just a really sloppy movie. Anyway, that's my thing. I know I said slap three times. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode as I discussed Ma. Uh, in case you couldn't tell, I did not enjoy this film. <laughs> but I am I am sincerely looking forward to uh, watching Reptile next week because I think that one's going to be badass. And, you know, after Reptile, Reptile I think we're going to go. I'm just go find a comedy. Because I need to watch, I need to watch my um, my palette from the horror films. Um, so thank you guys so much for stopping by, listening to Flicks and Scripts with Jay Starks. I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind over here now. Um, join us next week as we break down and discuss Reptile. Please uh, like, share, tell your family, tell your friends. I would greatly appreciate it. Give me five stars if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> give me any recommendations that you may have thank you guys so much here she go with this damn needle she's just like injecting every damn body i told you i was playing in the background all right guys y'all have a great um week i will see y'all next friday and just make sure you know even though this is my favorite film uh <laughs> and that's an understatement don't let i think this is one of those films that should be showcased to any aspiring filmmaker. And I don't mean <laughs> and I mean it's to say that somehow this film was made in greenlit, right? So if you're a filmmaker, you're an uh, an actor, writer, producer, whatever, just make a film because this film 
was out there in the world. It was out there. It uh, it only cost five million. Opening weekend was eighteen million, but it grossed sixty one million dollars, guys. Sixty one million dollars. So according to Blumhouse, I'm pretty sure this is a good win. It's a win for them. You know what I mean? Like five mil was the budget, and yet you made sixty one gross. Holy shit. So it doesn't matter, man. I don't care what your talent is, guys. If it's filmmaking like mine is, write some shit. You have your camera. You got your iPhones. Like, go do some stuff. Make it, make it. Like, why does she put the iron board on this? Why does she iron this man's stomach? God, this movie is killing me. Anyway, go out and make art, guys, because art is love. I love you guys. I'll see y'all next week. Bye.